Turn to your neighbor and say, here we go. The devil ain't going to stop me. He ain't going to stop me. I still got paper. Amen. Hallelujah. But I want to get into a, a new series, a new, um, it'd be a short series. I don't think we'll, we'll spend a whole lot of time, but God has uh, just shown me some things here in discussing boundaries. The title of this series is Boundaries, and uh, this message is just part one of boundaries. Basically, I was going to try to make this a, a, a one-nighter. And, uh, you know, for me a, as a teacher, as much as I like to break things down and get into it, I end up in series mode. One, because I don't want to overload in, in one message. Uh, you know, you can get to that point where you say so much that uh, it's too much. And um, so I want to make sure that, you know, I'm giving you guys enough content to go away with, but not so much content you walk away going, whoa, brain overload, I just got way too much information, how am I going to be able to comprehend all that? So I ended up having to break it down a little bit, and and who knows where God wants to go with all of it, um, but got some awesome stuff that I think is going to help us, and um, so I want to get right into it. Father, I thank you for your word today, that it's powerful, it's active. It's sharp tonight. Father, I thank you that my words are spoken with clarity, with boldness. Father, I thank you that it's not my words that are being spoken, but it's your words. You're just using me. And I thank you, Father, that tonight we have attentive ears, attentive hearts that are receptive to the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start at the beginning. If you don't, if you can't find Genesis, just go to the front of your Bible and turn a few pages. You'll get there eventually. They have all this extra stuff in there now. You've got you to go through a whole book just to get to Genesis now. But it's there at the beginning. And we're going to start with Genesis 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. And void means empty. The, word, the earth was without form. That means it had no structure to it. It was without form. It was empty. And darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, I want to stop right there real quick because the title of this message and what we're talking about are boundaries. And boundaries gives you structure. Boundaries bring order and right here in the second verse we see that the earth was without form and void now there's different doctrines and theologies that people would try to pull out I, I, i've heard one minister say that god uh when he created the earth he created it all at one time and then took everything and divided it up and put it in place that all the trees, all the animals, all the plants, all the clouds, all the skies, all the water, all the land, all of it was created in one big blob, and there was just no order or structure. I don't know. I haven't studied out the Greek and the Hebrew to understand all the different terminologies, but I do know this, based off of this beginning sentence, that the earth was without form and void. It was empty. It was fruitless. It was not in its original order, otherwise God wouldn't go through the process of the next seven days, six days rather, putting everything in order. 
putting it all in place. So the earth was without form. We like to think of a life without boundaries as being more free and more uh, open. We can do whatever we want. There's no true pattern or parameters or boundaries for our lives. But the definition of uh, no structure and no boundaries is chaos. The lack of boundaries is chaos. If you don't think that you like boundaries and order, uh, try driving down the road with no lines telling you what lane to be in. And we just drive all over the place and guys that are coming towards us, they're allowed to come into our lane and then swerve out of the way at the last minute. Try playing uh, a game of basketball without any boundaries where there's no rules, there's no limits, you can double dribble, uh, you can travel, you can go in and out of the out-of-bounds lines all you want. You can dunk the ball and say that was three points instead of two points, right? You can try playing any sport. Try doing anything in life without order and without structure. But no, God saw an earth, because it does say the earth was without form. He saw an earth that had no structure and no boundary to it. And he said, we got to get some boundaries set. We got to get some structure to this thing. So the first thing we see is that the lack of boundaries always leads to chaos. We have a chaotic mess here, two verses in. Now watch what he does. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Now watch this. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The first order of business that God takes care of with an earth that is formless, that is void, that is fruitless, has no structure and no boundary to it, the first thing he does is divide. He sets a boundary. And he says, light, you go today. Darkness, you go tonight. What's he do? He sets a dividing line, creates a boundary, and say, light, you stay over here in the day, and darkness, you stay over here in the night. Let's keep going. <coughs> Let's keep looking at this thing. Verse 4. No, 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 no. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let us divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. Now watch this. Verse 8. God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. So now we have a big blob of water. And he divides the water, once again setting a boundary. Divides the water, and now we have waters in the heavens, which is the sky. He doesn't mean heaven as in the supernatural, spiritual place where he lives. In this sense, the word heaven here is translated sky. Where the stars, where the sun is, where the clouds are. So we have one big blob of water. He divides it down the middle and says, you become heaven and you become water on the earth, which we'll see get divided again. 
So he's bringing a boundary. He's setting a division in place here. Okay, let's keep going. Why are these boundaries important? Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So now he's divided again. Now he says, water, you become the seas and the oceans and the rivers and the lakes. And what is left over will call land. So he's now got a boundary. Land is land. Water is water. Okay? Setting a boundary, setting a division. Verse 10, and he called the dry land earth. In the gathering together of the waters, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the earth, the herb that yields seed, the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. So now... That we have land, which he calls earth, and we have water that's called seas. Now he tells the land what to do. Now the land is able to fulfill its purpose because it's been placed within its boundaries. Because how many of you know you cannot grow anything in land that's covered in water? Go plant a seed on the riverbed and See if the trees and all that comes. Why? Because there's only a certain amount of water it's supposed to have. But the earth had an assignment attached to it. And it required a boundary. It required a division from the water. The next thing that boundaries do for you is they help make your purpose or assignment clear. And they cause you to fulfill that assignment. Staying within your boundary. Talking about basketball. In basketball, you have five men on each team on the court at one time. And you have some uh, shorter guys that are faster. And they usually are posted up on the outside where they're usually passing in to the really big guys. Now, in basketball, they're all tall. Okay? In basketball, your point guards, which are your fast, short guys, uh, the smallest ones will usually be around 6'2 or 6'3. Most point guards are like 6'6, six, 6'8. Six, six, Some of them, Kobe Bryant, I think, is like 6'8. Michael Jordan was about 6'8, I think, maybe 6'6. Six, six. They're, they're tall to us, but they're the short guys because there's really big guys like Shaq and Dwight Howard and these guys that are like 7 foot. Or 7, like 6 feet 10, 7 foot. Uh, you had that one guy a while back, he's the tallest guy in the NBA, Sean Bradley. Uh, he was seven foot seven. Just super tall guys. What are they doing? They're on the inside. They have boundaries. Those big guys don't belong outside the three-point line. They don't belong on the outside trying to shoot three-pointers. Why? Because their boundary is in the paint, is what they call it, right under the basket floating around in there waiting to get the basketball so they can turn around and just drop it in the bucket. Whereas the shorter, faster guys, they have a boundary. They don't belong clouding uh, and, and, and clogging up the paint area, the lane as they call it. 
They're on the outside posted up, shooting three-pointers, doing fadeaway shots. They have a boundary. And when you stay in your boundary, then they can fulfill their assignment. See, Shaq's assignment was not to shoot three-pointers. His assignment was to slam dunk the ball over people's heads because I'm seven foot one, seven foot two, and I can do that. I'll just drop it in the bucket. If you ever watched him shoot free throws, horrible. He's not good at shooting the ball. But now some of these shorter guys, like there are some guys in, in the league that they don't slam dunk. It's not their thing, but man, they can drop them from any distance, wherever they want. They just got sweet shots. They can just put it up, and you know it's going in the basket. That's how he fulfills his assignment. Staying within your boundary causes you to flourish, causes you to fulfill your purpose, your assignment. So we got to understand these boundaries. Let me define boundary real quick for you. The word boundary simply means something that Im- indicates limits. <coughs> something that indicates limits. It brings a division. It brings a division. Um, it separates and appoints. It separates and appoints. God separated the land from the water. He divided it. God separated the light from the darkness. And then he put them in, in a special place. He put the water in a place called seas. He put the land in a place called earth. He put the light in a place called day. He put the darkness in a place called night. He's dividing. He's separating. He is creating a boundary. But most of all, he's appointing. He's appointing. This might start to sound like something that applies to us. Let's go a little bit further. Okay, let's get down to verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. Remember, that's the sky. To divide, to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons, for days and years. Look, he's saying, let's put lights in the sky so they can divide and so that they can be a sign for seasons, for days, for years. What's he saying? I have lights that I have a special assignment and purpose for, and I need to place them in a certain boundary so they can be a a, a sign and to help us understand when the day is coming to an end, when the year's coming to an end, when these signs and when these seasons are coming to an end. And what are those lights called? Stars. Stars. So he's dividing, separating for a specific assignment. 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. So which one was to rule the day? The greater light, which we call the sun. And then we have the lesser light to rule the night, which we call the moon and stars. Okay? They are divided. And they are appointed. 
by a boundary to operate in a certain area at a certain time to fulfill a certain assignment, to fulfill a specific assignment, okay? Verse 17, God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day, over the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So now the sky serves a purpose. It's a home for birds. And the waters serve a purpose. It's a home for water, sea, creatures. We see in this. The division of the two allow them to serve their assignment, their purpose. They're appointed. They're set apart. They're separated. He's brought division. Okay? So now they're helping to fulfill an assignment. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, the beast of the field, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So once again, we see the land. Now the land, the earth, is serving a purpose. It's a home for beasts and animals of the field. It's giving them nourishment because they're feeding off the land. And it's giving them a home to live in. So now the earth and the land even has an assignment. Now watch this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So now God creates man, places him on the earth, places him in this realm that's all divided, all is separated out for different purposes, different assignments, giving birds home in the sky and giving fish a home in the sea, giving uh, cattle and beasts of the field a home in the land, giving a place for light, giving a place for day, giving a place for darkness, giving a place for night. And now he creates man and puts him in control over all of it. He brings order to something that was without form and void and then places man in charge of making sure it remains in the order he created it. He's making sure that the boundaries that I have established in that realm, you make sure they stay in that realm. Because here's the thing. What happens with a fish that comes out of its boundary? It dies. 
And then there are animals that they can't live in the water. That's not their boundary. But there's animals that can fly, and that's their boundary in the sky. But then there's other animals that if they were to jump out of trees or jump off the mountaintops, they're falling and crashing to the earth because that's not their boundary. And then God creates man, places him in charge over all the earth and everything that he has just ordered for the previous five days. And he says, you make sure they stay in their boundary. You make sure that you, you make sure that they remain in their boundary, remain divided, remain separated so they can fulfill their assignment. Because they can't fulfill their assignment and their purpose outside of their boundary. So that is man's purpose. That's man's assignment now is to govern and control what is there. God created man, and he placed him within a boundary. We know that God created man, and he placed him in the Garden of Eden. And that was his boundary. Notice that all these boundaries so far have been established by God's word. He just speaks it, and the boundary's there. He separated light from day just by saying it. He separated uh Uh, day and night, light and darkness by speaking it. He separated water from land by speaking it. He separated the sky from the earth by speaking it. And now he creates man, gives him an assignment, and now for man to fulfill that assignment, he has to stay within a boundary. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Go to Genesis chapter 2. Verse 16, this is the command that we all know. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Boundary. He just created a boundary. He just gave man a separation and a division. And he said, in this garden, I have supplied everything for you. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, if you read in 29 and 30, 31, it says that God uh, gave him every uh, every herb and every fruit uh, to eat of. In the beginning of uh, Genesis chapter 2, he says that there's rivers and there's lakes flowing through this thing. He's got everything he needs. Adam and Eve aren't concerned for anything. As long as they stay within their boundary. And now he tells them that of every tree you can eat. Here's the thing about the boundary. Because for us as boundaries, we don't like boundaries. And we don't like the structure. Although we wouldn't want to imagine a life without it, we don't like restrictions and limitations. But the boundary contains the blessing. Within the boundary is the blessing. And you miss out on the blessing if you get outside of the boundary. Who here works a job? 
does your job have boundaries, limitations, a time to be there, a time that you get to leave, uh, 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 you have rules and regulations, maybe you have a lunch break, or you have a certain dress code, or you have certain uh, things that you have to do, certain tasks that you have to do to finish, that's your assignment, and as long as you remain in the boundary, you fulfill your assignment, and you're blessed with a paycheck. The boundary contains the paycheck. The boundary contains the blessing. But what happens when we get outside of the boundary? We get outside of the blessing. Now, it sounds simple. Sounds easy. Okay, just stay inside the boundary. If I, if I said there's a storm coming, but everything you need is right here in this room. Out there, you're going to struggle, you may die, you may be in harm's way, but just stay in here. Everything you need is right here. We've got food, we've got everything you need to survive right here in this room. We wouldn't go to the boundary because within the boundary is the blessing. Unless someone confuses the boundary. This is where we run into the problem in our lives. Because here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, God gives a command. He sets a boundary. He brings a division. He brings a limit and says, you can eat of every tree but the one. Now notice that this tree doesn't, there's nothing different about this tree. Looks like a tree, just like all the other trees. It has fruit on it, just like all the other trees. I mean, it's not even like a dead tree that doesn't even produce anything, or it's not like a withered up small tree. It's a tree in the middle of the garden that looks like all the other trees. But God has done something here. He's spoken a command, and he's given a clear boundary. Thank God he gives clear boundaries. God's word is a clear boundary. But we're the ones that make it cloudy. We're the ones that make the boundary look like everything else. We're the ones that make that boundary approachable. And maybe it won't do, because see, the, the boundary wasn't trees, because he said you can have every tree. The boundary wasn't even fruit, because he said you can have fruit. The boundary was knowledge. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was the effect of the boundary that was off limits. Not the thing itself. See, when we confuse, when we confuse the object for the boundary, but then realize that there are other things in the earth that we're allowed to have that look like that, well, then we want to make that boundary just as touchable as the rest of them. You know, if we're married, other men or women 
are off limits. That is outside of the boundary of marriage. But are women bad? If you're a man, are women bad? No. If you stay to the right one, you're doing really good. But when we make the woman the object, no, it's called adultery is the object. Adultery is the boundary. Committing adultery, going outside of your marriage. Okay, so we see that it's not the object that's bad. It's the thing behind it. But when we get lost in just the object, when we get lost in just what we see naturally, and what we see on the external shell, then we start pushing boundaries. Then we start pushing the envelope. Then we start saying, oh, maybe it is. Maybe this time. Maybe this one. See, God wasn't setting the boundary of a tree. Tree wasn't off limits. Trees were good. Fruit wasn't off limits. Fruit was good. It was what this specific one contained and the effect that it brings. See, boundaries carry weights. Boundaries carry weights. And here's the problem about going outside of your boundaries. Then you put on or you bring on a weight that you're not necessarily capable of handling. This is why you shouldn't become a father before you become a husband. Because now we've gone outside the boundary because God has a order. God has a structure. And he says, before you have children, before you have relations, you need to be married. You need to be a husband before you become a father. Because there's a boundary that's set, and when you go outside of it, now you're taking on the weight of being a father when you're not ready to be a father. We've gone outside the boundary. We do this with friends. Sometimes we put a boundary or a weight on friends that they're not meant to handle. They're not meant to hold. They're not meant to counsel you out of your problem. They're not meant to, to be there uh, for that type of structure and support. We need to find someone who can be, someone who's within the boundaries. We've got to relegate what the boundary is because otherwise we place weights on other people or on ourselves that we're not capable of ha handling. Because, see, God knows. God knows what you can handle. And so he's given you an order. He's given you a structure. and He's given you boundaries. He's set apart and separated certain things for a certain reason so you can be successful in your purpose and in your assignment, but when we go outside of the boundaries, we're no longer successful. We're no longer able to properly fulfill our assignment. Focusing on the object will always cause you to miss your purpose. Focusing on the object will always cause you to go outside your boundaries. When you focus on the object, and we're getting ready to see this firsthand in Genesis chapter 3. 
When you focus on the thing, when you go just looking at the fruit and the tree, well, it looks like every other tree. It looks like every other piece of fruit. How could this one be off limits and this one not be off limits? Well, God's word established the limits. God's word established the boundaries. And so we go outside of that, and when you do that, you will always miss the actual boundary. You will always be unsuccessful in your assignment. Your flesh wants the object at the expense of crossing the boundary. Your flesh on the outside wants the natural thing, wants the object, at the expense of crossing the boundary. You know why? Because your flesh doesn't care about your future. Your emotions, they don't care about tomorrow. Your will and what you want doesn't care about 10 years from now. Doesn't think about that. God does, and he sets boundaries to get you to 10 years from now. But your emotions, they'll go to that person's house tonight and do that thing and tomorrow morning wake up and be like, what in the world did I just do? But not ready to pay the consequences because your flesh wants the object at the expense of crossing the boundary. So in Genesis chapter 3 is where we see someone's flesh cost them a boundary and cost them a future. Because we overrode a boundary based upon what the flesh wanted instantly. Your flesh is all about now. Your flesh is all about instantaneous. And it regret it will do whatever it wants now, not thinking about tomorrow, and then regret it, regret yesterday. They'll end up in tomorrow, because we're going to go to tomorrow, and think about what we did yesterday. But they weren't thinking about Tomorrow, at the moment. So we have to set up these boundaries. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Look at that. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which who made? The Lord. God. God made the serpent. Why is Eve having a conversation with what we know to be the serpent, the snake, and we know he's the devil? Because we have the end of the book in Revelation that says that serpent, the devil, Satan himself. Obviously, she didn't know that. But this snake looked like any other beast in the garden that the Lord God had made with a purpose and an assignment. But the only way that you'll be successful in the assignment is if you stay in the boundary. The snake is coming outside of his boundary because who's in control over all the earth? Genesis 1.26, who's in control over all the earth? Man, so no snake and no serpent, no beast of the field 
which the Lord God had made, has any right telling a man what to do. Came outside of his boundaries. Now, why did Eve miss it? Because she's focused on the natural, external object. This snake looks like any other snake. So now we continue reading. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The snake went to the boundary, went to the fruit, and made the fruit an object. It's a piece of fruit just like any other fruit. It's a piece of fruit. Don't, don't worry about the effects. Don't worry about what it'll do. I mean, look, it looks like that fruit. This tree looks like that tree. And since she's already moved by a snake that looks like every other snake, now she sees the fruit like every other fruit. Why? Because she's only interested in the natural, external shell. Do not judge a boundary by its natural appearance. Do not judge a boundary by its natural appearance. Because you will miss what's really off limits. Again, your flesh wants that. Your flesh wants the natural external appearance. But the effect and the true boundary on the inside is what's off limits. If you only focus on the outward shell, it will look like everything else. It will look like everything else. But what did God say? What, why did he say that tree was off limits? Because it contained the knowledge of good and evil, a weight. He didn't want man to know evil. That wasn't a weight Adam was capable of carrying. Adam and Eve, he knew, I've given them a will. Because look, he takes the light and put it in day. He takes the darkness and put it in night. He takes the water and he separates it from the land. And he takes the fish, puts it in water. Takes the bird, puts it in sky. Then he takes God, uh, and then he takes Adam, places Adam in the garden and says, you can eat of all these trees but this one. Everything else just goes to its boundary. But man is the only one that talks back and says, but why? Isn't that like our kids? As soon as a boundary is formed, but why? Why? Because we have a will. And God knows they have a will. And if they know evil, they could potentially have a desire for it. He never intended for us to know good and evil. We knew good because we knew God and God is good. But we weren't meant to know evil. 
And the knowledge is what was off limits. The knowledge was the boundary that if we come into that weight, we are not strong enough to carry it. Because why didn't we all learn our lesson after Adam and Eve and just quit sinning? I mean, we know about evil, but why don't we not do it? You know? And why don't we take a lesson and say, well, look, mom and dad, you know, they messed up, but they ain't doing that. I mean, look what it brought. They were in that garden over there. Now we can't even go in there. No, God knew if you know about it, you'll have a desire to it. You'll be drawn to it. And so Eve here is being moved by the natural object, the fruit. And watch what it says in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. What did she do? I want this now. I'm not thinking about the actual boundary. This piece of fruit looks like every other piece of fruit. This tree looks like every other tree. I don't care about the effects. My flesh wants it now at the expense of crossing the boundary, at the expense of not being able to properly fulfill my assignment. And she was moved by what she saw naturally, the natural external object, and she missed the boundary altogether. Here's what the devil wants to do in everybody's life. He wants you to focus on the boundary and forget the blessing. He wants you to get your mind so fixed on the boundary. And if he can confuse the boundary, if he can cloud it just a little bit, if he can tweak it to where it looks desirable, it looks like it'll make you wise, it looks like it's good for food, it looks like every this tree is good, this tree is good, this tree is good, this tree is supposed to be bad, but it looks like all the good ones, so it must be good. Because naturally, externally speaking, it's the same as all the other ones. And he has confused the boundary, and he's gotten you to focus on the boundary so you can forget the blessing. Because the first thing that Eve forgot was her own boundary. Eve forgot, I'm in charge of you. You don't tell me to eat fruit. I tell you where to go. In fact, if I'm properly fulfilling my assignment, I would be talking to you, not you talking to me. I'd be correct in this situation because you're already out of bounds. You're already dealing in territory you're not supposed to be in by talking to me and telling me what to do. But she pushed the boundary, pushed the limit. The natural external shell of the snake looked like the natural external shell of everything else. And she didn't recognize it when it came up out of its boundary. She didn't stay in her boundary. She came under the snake instead of the snake being over her. Or instead of her being over the snake. The snake is telling her what to do. And now, the entire world has been handed over 
because man gave in to a snake and a piece of fruit. Two things you're in charge of. The fruit shouldn't have been talking to her. She should have been talking to the fruit. The snake shouldn't have been talking to her. She should have been talking to the snake. But remember, when you don't stay within your boundaries, you don't fulfill your assignment. So she comes out of her boundary. The boundary became unclear. The boundary became clouded. Unclear boundaries always lead to failure. But whose fault was it? It wasn't God's fault. He clearly stated the boundary. We're the ones that cloud the boundary. Now here's the thing. Eve took of it, but Adam didn't. Yet. Why did Eve, why did Adam take of it? Because he's once again focused on a natural external response. See, they're focused on a natural external piece of fruit. So when God says, you will die, they're thinking a natural piece of fruit will cause me to naturally die. So he looks at Eve, who's taken a piece of this fruit, and Eve gives it to him. And he says, Well, you're not dead. Cloudy boundary. Because everything God was talking about was spiritual. Everything God said would happen from eating that piece of fruit was spiritual. It didn't mean you would naturally die. That word die or death is separation from God. And Adam couldn't see that Eve was separated from God. Because naturally he was looking for a natural response. That's what the devil does is he tries to get you focused on the object instead of remembering what the real boundary was. See, He couldn't see that Eve all of a sudden had knowledge of good and evil. He couldn't see that. It's not something he can naturally see with his eyes. And so since they're so focused on the natural external, they forget about the spiritual. And he's thinking, well, man, if if you really ate of that tree and ate of that fruit, And if God's word was really true, you'd be dead right now. You wouldn't be standing here giving me this piece of fruit to eat. So what does he do? He goes ahead and eats it. Because the enemy's got them looking at the natural, external shell so much that they miss the real object, the real boundary, And the real limit, the limit was the knowledge. So let's keep going. We know what happens in verse 7. The eyes of both of them were opened, 
and they knew that they were naked. Watch this. Why didn't they know that they were naked before? Well, because they knew the knowledge of good, not evil. They knew the goodness of a man and wife being naked. Now we know the evil side of it. Now we know what comes. Now we know what thought processes come as an evil. Because there's a good side. For a husband and a wife, there's nothing wrong with it. But now we've switched over from the good, and now we know the evil that's associated. And that's what went with everything else. The knowledge of good and evil came in. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now they know we've crossed the boundary. Why did they realize they crossed the boundary? Because the knowledge kicked in. They just realized wait a minute, we just came into knowledge of something that we weren't supposed to know. Now they realize we just crossed the boundary. We just went past the limit. The limit wasn't in the fruit. The limit wasn't in the tree. The limit was in the knowledge. And the fruit, the natural that God wanted us to keep us away from, was he was wanting to keep us away from the spiritual effect of it. He doesn't want you to stay away from women. He wants you to stay away from unrighteous relationships. He doesn't want you to stay away from drinking something. He wants you to stay away from drinking things that will intoxicate you and change your state. But we get focused on the natural things. When we try to set boundaries in our lives, we most of the times think about the natural thing. And God has a spiritual thing he's trying to say. And he's saying, create this boundary, set yourself apart from these things spiritually. In the natural, it'll keep you from crossing a spiritual limit. So that's where these boundaries go. The Lord God called to Adam, said to him, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That was the clue. Because God says, who told you that you were naked? Where did you get the knowledge? You must have crossed the boundary. You must have went across the limit that I gave you. He didn't ask, why did you eat the fruit? Adam didn't say, I, I ate the fruit and it tasted good but I know I wasn't supposed to eat the fruit. No, he said, I know that we're naked and we're not supposed to know that. So we crossed a limit, a boundary that you set. Wasn't about the fruit. Wasn't about the tree. Wasn't about the object. It was about the spiritual. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you Commanded you, you should not eat. Have you done the natural thing that led to the spiritual thing? Did you cross a line naturally that made you cross a boundary spiritually? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, 
She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Now watch this, what I love about God. Because God is full of grace. God is full of mercy. He loves me. He loves you. He loves Adam and Eve. And watch what he does. Because this is what he's so good at. So the Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat the dust all the days of your life. Verse 14. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God goes immediately back to restoring order. He says, you've just let chaos into my world that I created, but I'm about to bring it all back into place. Because that's what he does. He restores order. God is a God of order. He's not okay with chaos. He's not okay with a life without limits. He's not okay with a life that has no boundaries and we just go wherever, do whatever we want. It's amazing how the Garden of Eden is the place that we think of paradise. You can do whatever you want. You're free as a bird. Yet, it was a place of boundaries. It was a place of limits. And as long as you stayed within the boundaries and the limits, you got to celebrate freedom. Look, guys, the greatest freedom you will ever experience in your life is within God's boundaries. The greatest freedom, the greatest liberty you will ever experience. Those people out in the world that that act like they're doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, whoever they want to do it with, they are not experienced freedom. That's called chaos. That's called disorder. And verse 2 of of Genesis 1 says that that is fruitless, empty, and void. But God says, you want to be fruitful? You want to be successful in assignment? You want to have a purpose and a calling? Get within my boundaries. Get within my limitations. Because inside my boundaries is all the blessing you need. Inside my limitations is the answer to all your problems. All the chaos, all the mess, it comes back. It receives order and structure. I'll put a system to it. But you stay within my boundaries. You stay within my limitations. He keeps on going. In verse 16, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. By the way, that's not saying that men are greater than women. That's saying that the husband is greater than the wife. Just to throw that out there. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are. To dust you shall return. Boundaries had to be set. Limitations had to be set. 
It goes on to say that they were cast out of the garden. They crossed the spiritual boundary, and now they were having to cross the natural. Coming out of the garden, the garden being everything that they needed because the blessing was in the boundary. It was a natural picture of what happened spiritually. And we know today that this world, this world is still not in the order God intended for it. God is about restoring order. God is about restoring boundaries and limitation. And those boundaries and limitations have been restored with us through the cross. With what Jesus did. What Jesus did gives us an ability to live within a boundary and a limitation once again. Paul calls it being a slave to righteousness. Being a slave to righteousness. See, the true freedom is within God's boundary. It's interesting to note that as soon as the Israelites came out of slavery in Egypt, came into the wilderness, one of God's first commands is, if you do what I say, you will be blessed. Wait a minute, I thought you got us out of slavery so we could do whatever we want. No, I got you out of slavery so you can do whatever I want, because that's freedom. Freedom is not doing whatever you want. Freedom is doing whatever he wants for you. That's when you're successful in your purpose. That's when you're successful in your assignment. That's when you fulfill what he's called you to do. We're called to remain within boundaries. What is it that sets those boundaries in our lives? It's the word of God. Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's saying your word sets the boundaries. It creates a path. A path has boundaries. It's identifiable if you're on the path or not on the path. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The way that I'm going, I need your word to direct me on it. Because without your word, I'm lost. Without your word, I don't have direction. I don't have purpose. I don't have a limit and a boundary. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. His commands, his guidance, his way, it creates boundaries in our lives. There's boundaries for the life of a believer. That's where we'll get next week identifying those boundaries. He said over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he said to come out from among them, come out from the world. And he said, separate unto me. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. I got to touch on it a little bit on Sunday morning. But when he said separate, he didn't mean 
physically separate from the world, meaning I can't hang out with people of the world, I can't work with people of the world, I can't be around people of the world. That's pretty hard to do, to only be around Christian people, unless you're one of those crazy people out in the Midwest that they develop their own communities. We have our own banks, our own grocery stores, our own schools. We're our own little community because we're supposed to separate from the world. That's not what he meant. He meant separate. That word separate means develop a boundary, create a limit, which means I could be standing right next to a person who is lost and dying and going to hell, and we look completely different. That means we should be in the world and be identified as people who have set boundaries in our lives. Not free caring, free doing, whatever they're doing, we're doing. However they're talking, we're talking. Whatever they look like, we look like. It shouldn't be that way. I should be able to stand in the room full of sinners who are going to hell and look completely different. I should be the one not drinking what they're drinking, not talking the way they're talking, not doing what they're doing, not acting the way they're acting, not responding the way they're responding. Because I have set boundaries. I have limitations. Hey, man, you want to drink? No, I'm, I'm all right, man. I don't do that. I don't drink that. I've set a boundary. I've got a limitation. Oh, well, where's the fun in that? The fun is enjoying God's blessings. I'm different. And it's not to put it off to say, no, I'm better than you. It's saying, I'm different. I'm enjoying blessings. You can enjoy these blessings too. If you establish the boundaries and the separation and the limitations that I have, I got no problem being around those people. Because I know I've set boundaries. Now, obviously, I don't put myself in those situations. But if I'm around people that are carrying off and doing those things, I know I've got a boundary set right here. And I may be shoulder to shoulder with you, but I've set a boundary. I have separated myself. Because Jesus said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. He said, I pray that you keep them from the one who keeps trying to cloud the boundary. Oh, well, one more drink will be okay. Just one more night with that person will be okay. We can just go a little bit further. I can watch that for a little bit longer. That's what the enemy does. Why? Because he wants the boundary to look like every other boundary. That's why, you know, I, I have people that ask me, you know, silly questions. I talked about it on <coughs> Sunday. Is, is smoking a sin? Is, is doing this a sin? Is doing that a sin? They, you know, they ask those questions. And one comparison that some of those people will make was, you know, it's just like drinking soda. You know, you're just putting something in your body that's not necessarily good for you. Is soda, is drinking soda a sin? Oh, so we're trying to make this tree look like that tree. Oh, we're we're stuck on the natural object. We we haven't even fi- we haven't even uh, thought about the fact that sin is disobedience to God. Is soda a sin? Well, has God ta- ta- told you to stop drinking soda? Then it's a sin. If God said don't drink any more soda, 
that it's a sin. Why? Because God's word is the parameter. Not the carbonation in the drink. Not the effects that we think it has on us. So what am I saying? Get away from the natural object. Get away from what we see in the flesh. Because it's not about what you see in the flesh. It's about the spiritual principle. It's about the disobedience toward God. It's the breaking of the boundary and the limitation that he has set spiritually. That's what we got to focus on. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as of tonight, we'll identify those boundaries. We'll identify what makes us different. We'll identify what it is in our lives that we have to establish, what your word establishes that is off limits. Because we want to not only identify boundaries so we don't cross them, we want to identify boundaries so we don't go near them. So, Father, I thank you that as we go through these messages, we'll understand the importance of boundaries. Everything you created has a boundary. And the boundary contains our blessing. The boundary contains the promise. The boundary contains life. Everything we need is within the boundary. So Father, I thank you that we'll be teachable, attentive, receptive through this series, receptive through these words. That we won't allow the boundaries to creep up on us, but we'll identify them and know that's off limits. I'm not going to focus on the boundary and forget the blessing. I'm going to focus on the blessing and forget the boundary. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.